Hi YouTube, it's Catherine Michelle. Um, today we are going to go over some more of the blood spatter that um, is found on the clothes. We now have pictures of David and Kamel and Rania's clothes um, from the ME's office. This was part of a data dump that was provided to the Justice for David Crowley and Family Facebook page. Um, and I think that this is pretty telling. Now, this video is not going to be for everyone. So, and I already age restricted anyway, but if you are, are squeamish or you don't want to see real crime scene photos, and I'm going to be showing the photo of the body, it's on the floor, but they're blurred out. The, the head and little Rania's face and arm and stuff and, and tummy, they're blurred out. So you'll see her, you know her legs are there, but you know, that type of stuff is not necessary, especially not for what I want to show you. Because we're going to focus on the clothing worn by David and Kamel. So, here we go. You ready? This is going to be the photo of um, of the bodies on the floor. Now, let me get uh, get this um, moved out of the way for you. This is David. This is Kamel, and this is little baby Rania. Now, I'm zooming in because I want you to notice how David's clothes are being worn. There's a black t-shirt, a white shirt, and then a gray shirt. And the white shirt is tucked up underneath the gray shirt, which I find interesting. And then his sweatpants and his boxer shorts. And we can't see too much of Kamel, but this is Kamel's sweatpants. And here's a little bit of the brown sweater you can see. Now keep in mind, this brown sweater was on Kamel, but partially covering David's right leg. And then the blue blanket was over David's legs, but under Kamel. Okay, we already know that that just doesn't make sense. And please notice the position and how the, the sleeves are. Again. Okay, I think we have enough of that one. We don't need to go back to that one. So here we're going to, let's start with um, the shirt, the black one that was underneath him. Okay, we see, sorry, let's pull back. All of this right here is the blood. All of this. Take note of fibers and white dog hair on his undershirt. There is some tearing of the shirt here. Now let's look at the next shirt. This is the one I want you to pay close attention to. This is the right arm as he's laying out. This is the arm that's closest to the recliner. This is the left arm, the one that's all the way out. And then look at the amount of blood. Look at this. It's soaked. His black shirt soaked down the front. But here's what I want you to pay super close attention to. This spatter, these spatters, this. I know I'm not sure if these are if this is blood spatter. Those are um, puncture wounds and the material. I I don't know, but this looks like blood spatter, 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 spatter. Looks like fiber from his one of his bracelets. 
This is part of a shirt, remember, that was tucked up underneath between the gray and the black. You didn't see this portion. You saw this part, but you didn't see this. This was kind of up, tucked up underneath. Let's look at the next one. Here's the gray shirt. Let's take a closer look at that. Dog hairs. Dog hairs. Tear in the hem on the bottom, I mean on the back, on the back of his shirt, the posterior side. This is where he's laying. He's lying on his back. This part is not exposed to a dog. How did it get torn? Look at all the dog hair. Again, look at the pattern. Look at the amount, the amount of blood. Here, here, all the way down the front. It soaks through three garments. Three. A white t-shirt, a heavier winter shirt, and then a t-shirt. What else does it soak through? Let's take a peek. I'm going the wrong way. Here are his pants. Look at all the dog hair. Um, Here's a tear in his pants. Now some people, when you look at one of the photos that Greg will be showing, in this section, because you can see in this section, you see some red poking through. Now to me, just what I see, I this here is more indicative to me of, of a dog scratching at the clothes, like trying to get him to wake up, like get up, get up instead of someone like instead of a knife cut it, it doesn't look like a knife did this instead it looks like a dog actually was clawing at the clothes um but again look at the amount of dog hair it's it's a lot granted this is the part of him that's facing upward but still pay attention because this is going to come into play later now Let's look at the next photo. His box shorts. Covered. Soaked. So, the narrative is David snapped, um, you know, shot his wife and daughter. You know, two shots were to Camille's head which makes no sense for a man who he loved this woman. Um, one to the daughter, two to the wife, and now one to him. He only had one gunshot wound to his head and they want you to believe that that one gunshot wound soaked through boxers, through sweats, through a t-shirt, through a long sleeve shirt and through another t-shirt. And they want you to overlook the fact that this shirt was on and there was blood spatter apparent on his shirt before this one. How do I know? There's no blood spatter patterns on this one where the other ones are. This might be a little bit from where the final um, shot actually took place. Don't know if that's on top or if that was um, 
uh, it couldn't have been prior because it's missing all of the other blood spots. What is this? Is this a hand grabbing at a shirt? Don't know. Um, could just be just the way the blood fell. But again, look at those patterns as plain as day. Absent from the top shirt. So they want me to believe that um, he shot somebody and decided to put another shirt on before he shoots himself. And then one gunshot wound is supposed to, you know, produce this much blood. This is a lot. I mean, a lot. And, you know, now, I, I, um, let's go to um, Kamel's. I'm going to skim past real fast, Ronnie. I'm not going over hers. I'm, I'm just not. Kamel's socks. Oh, wait. Here we go. Kamel's sweater. Now, pay, pay very close attention to this, please. We only have the front side of the sweater, but notice the blood pattern on here. Um, I, oh, sorry. Lean, I'm like leaning in, but I don't really see very many dog hairs on this shirt or sweater I'm sorry but notice most of the blood is on the left hand side and up here at the collar notice the the left hand the left arm at the sleeve has some not only blood spatter but is this um decomp fluid or is it you know blood I don't, I don't know I, again this is a photo I can't tell but notice there's no frame none now this is the arm that was under the body yet it's still missing a hand let's take a look at the the arm this is her right arm and this is the one that was above her head and you do see frame here this does look like a um a dog was a paleo was another dog got a hold of the sweater and was chewing at the arm of the sweater and again her arm her hand is missing she's only missing two hands well and her face I'm sorry her head <clears throat> now here it does look like this could be two separate events we got this looks darker this looks darker or is that decomp I don't know but here we have a blood pattern now this here does match up with um, her corset. This does not. Let's continue to look at the rest of the photos. Here are her pants. This looks like decomp fluid. Here's the blood pattern on her pants. Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Now notice she had two gunshot wounds to her head and nowhere near the amount of blood on her clothes. Now this part I, I draw a lot of particular attention to. Let me see if I can bring out my edit and uh, my edit tool. And I know this is just um, simply in um, you know just you know their program. So this is not my uh, uh, Photoshop. Let's do adjustments. Let's bring out some more light, some more color, some more light. Now let's zoom in. This to me looks like little toes. It, it, 
and it might not be it may it just may be how how it fell how this happened to be but it looks to me like this part right here like a little foot was standing on these pants when some a, quite a bit of blood drained or dropped down that foot and landed on the pants itself and then the foot came off and then left like a reverse impression again if you guys don't see it, that's fine. Uh, it could just be I'm seeing what I want to see. I will, you know, I'll say that. I, you know, but that's what I see. And again, I could be wrong, but it's very curious. Yes, I want to live without saving. But again, just this blood here, blood there, a little bit there, and a little bit at the bottom of her pants. Now, here's the corset. Now, if you remember on the right-hand side of the sweater where there was, you know, two sections where it looked like there could be two events, it was this area of the sweater that had blood on it. So, but on the sweater, this whole section, the entire left side was soaked. Well, not soaked, but it looked to be covered. Now let's look at Kanal's shirt. On her shirt, the left side is relatively unscathed. The right side is, is quite um, quite soaked with blood. And you see it going from right to bottom left. Lots of, uh, lots of blood. And notice the, the um, it's like the shirt was bunched up. Like you drag somebody across the floor and it bunches up, right? And then it leaves this kind of pattern here. Um, and what is this? What is this a mark of? <laughs> I just noticed that. What would leave this mark? This tread mark type, or could it be the sweater? I'll go back and look. Maybe it's the sweater. You know, we'll look at the pattern. It very well could be. But notice, this is the shirt she was wearing as she's laying on the floor. Notice the lack of dog hair on Kamel's clothes. David's covered in it. Kamel's lacking. Let's look at the back of the shirt. Again, right side, going from right to bottom left. Lots of, uh, lots of blood. Now, um, I, I, and we don't have a, a photo of the back side of the sweater, and I really wish we did, because that would give us an even better understanding. Was the sweater put on after this event? Um, you know, and did then the, the blood from the sweater when she's placed in that position soak through the front? You know, we don't know. Um, it's kind of hard to tell, but it's interesting to note the patterns. She, Kamel has blood on her right side. David has blood on his left side. And Kamel doesn't have a lot of um, dog fur. In fact, it's almost completely absent from her clothes. And we'll, we're zooming in so you guys can get a better look. This just looks to be like artifacts from the photography and the clothing. Artifacts from the, from the flash. It, was, it looks to have been bunched up underneath her body. And this, this is, you know, this may be the sweater. Again, we're going to go back to the sweater and take a look at that. But that's, that's interesting that it left that kind of a, a, an impression on the material itself. Again, okay, here we go. Here's a good um, um, blood spatter. Now, with the amount of blood on the shirt, 
why is this the only section that's soaked on her? This entire thing should be soaked in blood. Again, look. Look at that. Look at that. Yet David um, supposedly only had one gun, the gunshot wound to the head and it soaked through three shirts, a pair of sweatpants, and boxers. Does any of this make sense to you? It doesn't to me. And a little bit on her pants. Again, hardly any dog hair. Again, this looks like decomp fluid. Oh, might be a dog hair there. And the sweater. There's a sweater. Let's look at this pattern. It very well could be this pattern. Yeah, it, it very well is probably, yes, it, it's the pattern of the sweater. So her shirt, wherever it was, looks to have been bunched up around here, up in this section right here. Um, and then the rest come, came down. But you see, you see the blood here, 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 all up on the collar. And then this more blood right here. Again, looks like two events here. This is brighter than the rest. Why? The right hand frayed, the left hand not, but they're trying to tell you the dog ate it. Now, the dog is going to fray this arm, but it's not going to fray this one. And this one's underneath the body, really? The dog ate that, really? No. Her socks. Back to David's clothes, his boxer shorts, his pants. Was her absolutely covered in white dog hair? Covered. Camilla's not. His dark t-shirt. Lots of white dog fur. Camille was not. This shirt, interestingly enough, I don't think I see dog fur on this one at all. No, I'm, I know I'm skimming pretty fast, but I'm looking for the dog fur. I don't see any on the white shirt, but yet the black one underneath has it. And again, remember, these are two separate events. This and all of this, two separate events. Go over here. Spatter, spatter. And these are absolutely separate events. Now, is this on top of the other stains? I don't know. Um, but I do know that this here and that here took um, was happened prior to this massive event. So these other spatter um, patterns are probably the same. All of those probably occurred at the same time these two did. And um, so after whatever left that spatter pattern, then this shirt was put on, and then that's when the massive event took place to David, enough to cause blood to soak through three shirts, a pair of sweats, and a pair of boxers. And again, they want you to believe it came from one gunshot wound to the head. 
This gray shirt does have some white dog hair on it, but not a lot. Not as much as, as the, the black shirt and the pants. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? And look at this right here. The tear in this shirt is in the back. David is lying on his back. The dog can't reach that section of his shirt. Why is that torn? Why is the back just as soaked as the front? And yet they want you to believe this came from one event. Blood spatter on a white, not on the gray. The gray which is worn on top. And, and this wasn't, you know, a red flag to the Emmy or the police. It absolutely should have been. So, according to their narrative, David snapped. They don't know why. They can't find any reason why. He snapped. And he shot his daughter. He shot his wife twice in the head, mind you. The woman he loved more than anything in the world, he just had enough and shot her twice. And then, shoots himself once and manages to get rid of all of this blood down his clothes, but no blood in the house. None of his blood on the rug, none of his blood on the wall, none of his blood anywhere. With this amount, his blood should be everywhere in that house. Wasn't found on any test except for a test on the knife. And maybe that was that was it, because they did find his, his blood. They found all three of their blood on the knife. Um, but yeah. But yet they found Kamel's blood everywhere. And Kamel has less blood on her clothes than David. And you can tell this is coming down from David's, David's body. It's from his neck. It starts at his neck and then goes down the front. So this isn't splashback or spatter. This is an event that happened to him. And I'm going to be doing a follow-up video on the blunt force trauma because we have a really good photo now of the, the skull cap that shows the blunt force trauma underneath the Emmy lights. It's evident. It's clear. It's, it's as plain as day that this man was, was beaten in the head. And um, the blood pattern, the amount of blood on his clothes, it's clear. It's evident he was beaten in the head. Now remember too, um, as we talked about just a few minutes ago, Kamel's brown sweater was covering partly, or not, not covering, but it was on David's right leg. The blue blanket was on David's feet underneath Kamel. So they want to, to believe, was David sitting? Was it, were his legs up? You know, were, were his legs close to his body? Was he crouching in, in, you know, in that position like this? You know, imagine your, your knees are up to your chest and you're crouching and you're covering your head or you're trying to protect your head the best you can or your arms tied behind your back. I don't know. Uh, this is, but I'm trying to imagine how this took place. So that blood would then, you know, it would go down. It would, it would definitely all pool and go down the front of him, some down the back as well. This is not somebody who's going to stand up, sit down, do and as their body's going to fall right away, soak through three garments, no, three shirts, pants, and, and boxer shorts. No. Nope, sorry. Does not work that way. But anyway, 
I wanted you guys to see this. I wanted you to now see a little bit more and why I will believe. I mean, the evidence is saying to me he was murdered. All three were a victim of murder. David didn't kill his family. He was a victim. This is a crime of rage, a crime of violence, maybe even a crime of revenge. There, who, who, in David's life, who was angry with David? Who was pushing to be around David? Who was jealous of David? Who had motive to withhold anything they wanted from David? Who slandered David after his death? Who was trying to take over the spotlight with Grace Aid after David left? There are so many possible, possible um, people who could be involved. You know, um, and so you can't go around and, and say, I know for sure you did this because we don't. You know, we have nothing to prove that. But what I'm saying is there are a lot of people's motive, a lot, with a lot of motive to show this kind of rage. David didn't have that motive. They were getting ready to move to California. They were looking for houses. They, um, his, his script was taken in and he was getting a deal, getting ready to sign it. He just didn't get the chance to sign it. Um, uh, they were pulling away from everybody and Dave explains this in his journal. You should go read it. He says exactly why. He calls Danny August Mason, Sean Wright, Joe Seaton, Joseph Seaton. Um, I think those are the names he, um, I don't know if he's talking about Adam Shambo or not. Now, I'm not slandering people. I'm telling you what he's writing in his journal. That these people, he considered them to be toxic and life suckers. These were people that were pulling so much out of his life and Kamel's life that they're like, we can't do this anymore. We have to get them out of our lives. They separated from them for a reason. They knew that they were just holding on to their coattails. They, they showed the, their true colors to David and Kamel and they said, you know what? No, no, we don't want this in our life. They were trying to build, you know, build a better life for themselves and start over. And their do-over was going to be in LA. That's what they lived for. That was their goal. That's where they were heading. And so, um, and we also know that, um, that the ME's office calls the body decomp early to moderate. Now, early to moderate is not three weeks down the road, four weeks down the road. Early to moderate is up to maybe around 10 days, anywhere, you know, from death to roughly almost 10 days. These, this family was killed sometime in January. They already celebrated Christmas and, you know, there are, there are toys of Rania that are sitting out, which to me looks like they already had Christmas. They were getting ready to put everything away. The New Year had come and gone. The, the box to put the, their tree away was out. So they were, you know, they were living their life. But somehow somebody came in and stopped that dream from happening for them. Why? We don't know. But by looking at these photos, let me go through them one more time for you. By looking at these, this, this was definitely 
an act of violence. So, I hope you guys got something out of that. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll just uh, stop this for now because there's really not much more to say. It's, it's disturbing, to say the least, and it's so sad. So, I'm going to stop recording, and I hope you guys really take this to heart. Study this. Go to the Justice for David Crowley family page. Find the links to this uh, website that is put up that has, um, you know, a lot more information. Read for yourself. Look for yourself. Decide for yourself. Hello and welcome to another installment of Crowley Case Updates. My name is Dan Hennen. Today's presentation will be called The Deaths of the Crowley Family, Ordu Ab Chow. Ordu Ab Chow means order from chaos. Order from chaos. The first thing that comes to mind when looking at the Crowley murder scene is chaos. From the way things are scattered, but important things are left alone, to the awful attempt at creating bloody footprints on the floor, to the use of blood to write on the wall. The entire crime scene leaves you wondering, how could the murderers be so incompetent? Let's take a deeper dive into another way of seeing the crime scene. When we're done, maybe you too will see the order ab chow. Order from chaos. Let's begin by looking at this beautiful family. When first coming upon the scene, we are met with the following. Bodies that are positioned, blood writing on the wall, bloody quote, footprints, and David is missing his right hand. Omel is missing both hands. And Rania is missing her right arm. Then, both David and Kamel are missing a lot of their heads slash faces. On the left here, we'll see the bloody footprints. Looks like footprints, but are they really? On the right, we'll see Allahu Akbar, written using Kamel's blood. Now, when first coming upon the scene, we're met with the following. This is page two continued. You see a Quran torn and strewn about the floor. The supposed rapture and paranormal activity in the Crowley home prior to their deaths. This was talked about at length after the bodies were discovered. The lack of blood in the bodies. No lividity was seen upon autopsy and the lack of David's and Rania's blood in the house. In the small print here, it says, there is more, but this presentation's sole purpose is to tie certain pieces of information together. There are four key players in this drama, and they are as follows. Danny August Mason, Dan Crowley Jr., Mason Hendricks, Sean Wright. 
let's get acquainted with each of the key players. First on our list is Danny August Mason. David met Danny August Mason from here on out to be referred to as DAM, his initials, while attending film school. It is reported the two were introduced through David's film instructor. It is also reported that DAM sent David an email which contained links to websites that talked about conspiracy theories. So while DAM and other of the Gray State team slandered David, called him a conspiracy nut, DAM was first into the whole genre. What is interesting about DAM is his background. According to DAM, he studied Jeet Kune Do for most of his life, considers, considers himself to be an expert in the field of martial arts. How DAM describes Jeet Kune Do is its quick, quote, quickest, easiest way to take out your opponent in under slash about 10 to 15 seconds, end quote. He goes on to say, quote, you learn how to break or kill your opponent in under 10 to 15 seconds, end quote. Let that sink in. DAM was also heavily into the paranormal, and he was initiated into Freemasonry via his friend Travis Thorpe. This is noted because Kumail experienced some paranormal type events that scared her. The infamous ones being Kumail's vision slash dream of being raptured. And when she heard and saw an entity in her home. Here are a couple interesting photos of DAM. Freemasonry on the left, the odd photo on the right. Next, we'll talk about Dan Crowley Jr. There isn't much we know about Dan Crowley Jr. From here on out, to be referred to as DCJ. What we do know is according to DCJ and others from the Gray State team, David had all but stopped communicating with him slash them. In fact, DCJ made it a point to refer the time David canceled a pre-planned babysitting job without an explanation. It was evident David was not going to allow DCJ to babysit Rania, at least in the foreseeable future. The most intriguing thing attributed to DCJ is the fact he withdrew $50,000 from his father's bank account. Dan Sr. was out of the country when the illicit bank transaction took place. Following the money, we could find where Dan Sr. juggled funds and transferred the missing $50,000 back into the account it was taken from. However, where the initial $50,000 went is anyone's guess. Although we will draw a dotted line to the crime. Please remember, this dotted line is only a possibility. Here are a couple of interesting photos of DCJ. Next, we look at Mason Hendricks. Although we have not found a direct link between Mason Hendricks, from this point forward referred to as MH, and the Crowley crime scene, what is a dotted line is MH's interests, which lay with Norse paganism. 
on the inside of his right upper arm, he has a tattoo of Odin's triangle. This symbol is used to represent death. M.H. had an unhealthy attraction to Kamel. He would often tell, he would often tell David he would take her from him one day. M.H. would later reveal these things were said in fun. But why don't you read for yourself and you decide? Below is a quote that says, quote, David was so protective of Kamel, said Hendricks. And I would always fuck with him, quote, Hendricks jokingly told David, if he ever got sick of Kamel, he would gladly step in and take his place. Then there's this. Hendricks also joked around with Kamel about a possible relationship. Quote, Kamel, are you sick of David yet? Hendricks asked. Are you sick of this scrawny little man? Whenever you want to hang out with a real man, Mel, you let me know, end quote. Hendricks was always messing around with David like that. Mel would laugh and they would hug. It was all in good fun. The following three photos were posted to MH's Facebook account the day after the Crowley bodies were found. One on the left is DAM with MH. One on the right, cartoon figure that he posted to his Facebook page. Lastly, we now bring to the table Sean Wright. Sean Wright, from this point forward, will be referred to as SW. He's a very crude individual. He has threatened us on a few occasions as we are looking into the deaths of the Crowley family. Yet, how could he claim to be David's friend and still say horrible things about him? SW is a person of interest for a few reasons. The following photos will make sense in a few minutes. Sean right on the right. Screenshot of the Facebook post on the left, including the phrase in the middle, you need to call me. I'm all good with getting out free tech. I brought that up initially, but if it's released before my court, you may send me to prison instead of beating my case. For real though, David Crowley, call me. That's a comment from Sean Wright to David Crowley. Crowley writes back in response, I don't have any of your talk, tax talk in there, Sean, my man. Don't sweat it. The movie is meant to send other capital, other people to prison. Very interesting. Now, Sean Wright, leaves his phone number there, it's, it's, it's out in red. He leaves his cell phone number on that response to say, hey, call me. I know that Sean has said several times that he's the best friend of David Crowley. I think if you were to call him, he would already have his phone number or he could do that via an instant message. This comment was made publicly. What do we see in this picture? Is it SW? wearing a takeya, a.k.a. Muslim prayer cap. These photos are giving a message. Now it's time to draw the dotted lines. Where these lines lead are our opinion. We are not saying that what was found is the only possible explanation of the situation. However, the coincidences are blatantly clear. 
looking at the crime scene in this matter, the chaos now becomes order. Look at the symbols and the signals and the comms given here. EAM left, bottom left, MH, top right, DCJ, bottom right, SW. On the center, it's actually David Crowley giving an Illuminati signal. Let's get acquainted with some of the Masonic punishments and symbols. 666 in the far left. So you can make it using your hand. In the center is the sign of Baphomet devil's horns. On the right is the all-seeing eye. The sign or bow of silence in Freemasonry. And on right, is Balknet, symbol of death, or Odin's triangle. All-seeing eye, this photo's taken on the right, which in some fashion you're covering up your other eye. Only one is visible. Very similar. Sign of Baphomet, devil's horns, SW flashing it there. Balknet, symbol of death. Odin's triangle. MH on the right. Look at the tattoo there on his right bicep. That's exactly what that is. Bow of silence. Index finger either pointed up or across. DAM there, photo on the left, giving two symbols, two signals. All-seeing eye, Illuminati, image from the back, Federal Reserve note, $1 bill, and DAM on the right. What we find interesting is David is using his hands to make a pyramid shape in front of his eyes. A pyramid shape is a symbol for the all-seeing eye. Could this indicate David knew what these symbols meant, especially in light of his movie Gray State? If so, did he know the punishment for exposing the truth? Here's one spell that is used to free a man who has fallen evil and revealed secrets. Quote, drink in the night at a spring water out of a skull of one that has hath been slain. Otherwise, eat a pig killed with a knife that slew man. What are other punishments? Freemasons says should occur if one should expose their secrets and symbols. On the left, there's a section shaded, and this by pointing him out to the world as an unworthy vagabond, by opposing his interest, by deranging his business, by transferring his character after him wherever he may go, and by exposing him to the contempt of the whole fraternity of the world. In other words, assassinate someone's character. What has been done to David's character? There's the underline in red. By pointing him out to the world as an unworthy vagabond, his character after him, wherever he may go. Children are not excluded from these punishments slash rituals. Sometimes its contents are poured on her body for a love charm. Cake may be baked in a small oven that's placed upon her 
animals such as black cats or children, underlined here, children may be sacrificed. Participants may drink the blood of the sacrifice. An orgy of participants often follows the mass. On the bottom right, the fat of young children. Fat of young children. Do you know what else is interesting? It is said that Charles Manson was offered $50,000 to kill actress Sharon Tate. Where do we see 50,000 in the Crowley case? Well, DCJ withdrew 50,000 from his father's bank account when his father was out of the country. This $50,000 was never accounted for. And Dan Crowley Sr. simply transferred funds from one account into the account from which the money was taken. To this day, the paper trail for the 50,000 ends. No answers. 50,000 is often the amount offered slash requested when planning a murder for hire. For example, Eldon Hope stated Courtney Love offered him $50,000 to kill Kurt Cobain. As stated before, it has even been found that Charles Manson was offered $50,000 to kill Sharon Tate. According to the Freedom of Information request in this Crowley case, we do see the bank records here of a withdrawal at a branch location of $50,000 in cash. Not a traveler's check, but cash at the location from a savings account. This date was October 18th. Dan Sr. explained to detectives he was out of the country on business. All-seeing eye, DCJ. Even Susan Adkins knew about the all-seeing eye. She's paying homage to her god, Lucifer. Susan Adkins was the murderer of Charles Manson's accomplice. accomplice. See the all-seeing eye, the 666 in the hand. On the left, see the Helter Skelter in blood at the Tate of Bianca crime scene. On the right, we see the Crowley crime scene, Allahu Akbar, written in blood. Do you notice any similarities with the verbiage used? On the left, death to pigs. On the right, I was the one who noticed the bullet home and some neighbor reported Chris Klein's plate number to the pigs because he supposedly drives a suspicious vehicle, which is just a bear up truck. Refers to the police here as pigs. There are other aspects to the crime scene that need to be addressed. One of those being the Muslim angle. What do we mean by Muslim angle? Well, let's take a look. There are several photos which show torn pages for the Quran. You can clearly see by this picture, these pages were purposely ripped from the book. David was clearly was not against the people of the Middle East or what they believed. His wife, Kamel, was from Pakistan. A lot of people also don't know how much David loved the people of Afghanistan. This is obvious by his Facebook post regarding the war and what was happening to the people. Did you also know David wasn't the only one on the Gray State team 
who had knowledge of the Muslim faith? Let's revisit this photo of SW. This is another dotted line within the crime scene. It certainly looks like a takeya. Our question then is, why would an American white man wear one if he wasn't going to a mosque to pray? Photo of SW on the left, the coup de grace. A lot of the members of the Apple Valley Police Department belong to a lodge specifically for police officers. On the next slide, you can see Elizabeth Eilers and Brian Booth, the staff members at the South Metro Lodge. How could this possibly matter? Because Freemasons take care of their own. They have been sworn to ruin the reputations and worse of those who expose Freemasonry. David never stood a chance. Screenshot, local South Metro Lodge number 14, Minnesota Fraternal Order of Police. Look at the president, Elizabeth Eilers. Look at the bottom, Sergeant at Arms. Recognize the name, Brian Booth. Both are connected to the Crowley case. In conclusion, what we see here is no longer chaotic, but in one sense, very organized. There are elements of Freemasonry, the occult, Muslim honor killing, and pure rage within this crime scene. The Apple Valley Police Department didn't look at any possible explanation other than, quote, David did it. What we know of David Crowley is that he was a man who loved his wife and child. He loved his country. He stated on several occasions that peace is the best solution to problems. Even the police state they could find no motive for David to commit the crime. What is more important is this. David stated on the Alex Jones show that if he were to end up dead, he wasn't suicidal. Isn't that how so many deaths are called when dealing with situations like Gray State. Here, David said he wasn't suicidal just months before the family was murdered. And at the same time, there were those close to him who had motive for these murders. And there was motive for the AVPD to look the other way. However, instead of actually investigating those around David Crowley, the AVPD took the easy way out. By piecing together crime scene in a whole different way, all of the chaotic elements now make sense. From what can be gathered, here are the possible connections and possible motives. Danny August Mason, who was not going to be part of the Gray State Project once the Hollywood producers came on board. The project was funded for $30 million and DAM would not be part of it, not even as an actor was going to lose his big chance. Also, DAM had connections with high-level Freemasons, who also had ties to law enforcement. Motive? Dan Crowley Jr. Here is a man who constantly lived in his younger brother's shadow. DCJ just couldn't find his niche. But here was David, a successful writer, director, and now soon to be Hollywood playwright.
there was a lot of friction in the family, especially between David and DCJ. David would no longer allow DCJ to babysit Rania. Why? We'll never know. Then there's the mysterious $50,000 DCJ withdrew from his father's account while his father was out of the country. Motive? Mason Hendricks. With MH, you see someone who has no problem admitting he's into paganism. He doesn't seem to understand boundaries. He wanted Kamel, yet she was married to David. He lied numerous times after the bodies were discovered. People who have nothing to hide don't lie. Could his jealousy have pushed him too far? Keep in mind too, that MH referred to the Apple Valley police officers as pigs. Motive? Sean Wright, SW has knowledge of the Muslim faith as evidenced by the photo of him wearing a takaya. White men don't go around wearing a Muslim prayer cap as a fashion statement. SW also told David in a public Facebook post that if David released, quote, the rise without talking to him first, he was facing prison time. It turns out SW was being charged with tax evasion. According to SW, if David didn't call and talk to him, SW could go to prison for 76 years. Motive? The pieces of the puzzle have fallen into place. The rage, DAM, over his loss of what he believed were his creative rights. MH over what he lusted after. DCJ had motive, motive in that he was being shunned and David was outshining him in every way. SW over a possible prison sentence of 76 years. The Muslim angle, SW has knowledge of his faith. Who else could have torn a Quran and leave it open to a certain passage that isn't a prayer of forgiveness. Yet, that is what the public is told? Who indeed? What about the blood writing on the wall reminiscent of Charles Manson's group? This could also be connected to SW with the Allahu Akbar and DCJ taking out the $50,000 and then writing on the wall like the Manson clan. When looking at the crime scene in a different light, it is no longer chaotic. It is planned, filled with rage and deliberate. The crime scene screams motive. Yet, out of all of the Gray State team, who was the one person who didn't have motive? David Crowley. The AVPD, without motive or answer as to why, decided within two hours that David had killed his family. They blamed the one person who could not defend himself and ignored those whose motives were everywhere on social media. We are not saying the way we have presented this to you is definitely the way it happened. What we are saying, however, is there is evidence of motive for Danny August Mason, Mason Hendricks, Dan Crowley Jr., Sean Wright, and the Apple Valley Police Department.
there are dotted lines that cannot be ignored. Are these dotted lines the only ones? Could these dotted lines just be coincidence? Could we have it all wrong? The answer to those questions is yes. When looking at the crime scene as a whole though, one has to ask themselves, are we far from the truth? Or have we found the truth that is stranger than fiction? Do you too now see the Ordo Ab Chao, Order from Chaos? It's a post from Mason Hendricks. He said he was there with me, as well as Dan Jr. and others. We were hiding evidence that we killed David so that we can get a hold of David's script, which we all have had for a long time. Also, we needed to get a hold of David's hard drives so we can get a hold of footage to make millions. Oh wait, I have a bunch of footage from some shoots we did back in 2013. We also had to scrape Kamel's blood off the floor and mix it in water and then right on the wall and make sure we left no prints behind to throw cops off our trail. Then we took one of David's had, one of David's had and bought a gun and registered his name and put his fingerprints on it. Wait, Dan Jr. and Danny and Chris and I did that on the 26th. Not when we were there in January. I get lost. I get so lost sometimes in our evil plan. God, you people are funny. Post on Facebook. Thanks for listening. It's been a while since I've been here, Um, but just know that I've been uh, working on a video um, that Dan is going to be doing the voiceover on, and Greg's going to be doing music, and um, actually it was Steven Sanziri and I, we kind of uh, talked a lot of how to to present this information to you, so that video will be coming shortly. and also, you know, podcasts and stuff that I've done. I haven't been on the last podcast. Well, I did not go on the last podcast. Um, my brother has COVID, and so he was pretty sick for a while. So, and he's out of country, so a lot of my time was spent trying to deal with that. However, here we are. Um, today, we are going to be talking about um, the Quran and how it was found on the floor in the Crowley residence. Uh, I'm going to show you right now um, the page as it was found, or photographed, I should say, at the Crowley home. And then I'm going to show you the supplemental report where um, the police officer, let me see which one that was, um, oops, (laughs) I'm scrolling away from the page, then uh, bringing it bigger. who wrote this? Let's see. 
Oh, Brian Bone. Detective Brian Bone. Um, I will first, again, I will first show you the picture of the Quran as it was opened, supposedly on the floor in the Crawley home, and then the supplemental report page where it, uh, Bone talks about how uh, him, Gummert, how he, sorry, he, Gummert, and, and another officer were there talking to not only the Crowleys, but they spoke with Sidra, um, who is Kamel's sister. Um, I have not covered Sidra hardly at all in any of my videos for a lot of good reasons, but uh, this one needs to be brought to the forefront. Um, you'll soon see why. So um, I will give you a few minutes. I will leave each picture up there for a few minutes so you guys can see for yourselves what these documents say. And um, uh, don't worry about reading the entire Quran. I just want you to see those two pages in the book as it lay open. And then I'll leave the, the supplemental report up there a little bit longer so you can read. Through. It's just a short couple paragraphs of what the officers had to say um, during their interview. says, do ye indeed approach men and cut off the highway and practice wickedness even in your councils? But his people gave no answer, but this they said, bring us the wrath of Allah if thou tellest the truth. And he said, O my Lord, help thou me against people who do mischief. Um, and then it goes on to talk some more. When our messengers came to Abraham with the good news, they said, We are indeed going to destroy the people of this township, for truly they are addicted to crime. He said, But there is loot there. They said, Well, do we know who is there? We will certainly save him and his following, except his wife. She is of those who lag behind. Does this story sound familiar? about angels going to Abraham, about Abraham pleading with God to save his family, and how um, Lot and uh, his two daughters were there, and how Lot's wife wasn't saved from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. What I just read to you was from the Quran. I went out and purchased my own copy. This is Surah 29. 29 is where it starts. Well, no, read the whole thing. It's actually quite interesting. And But 29, 29 is where it, it is on, on the page. Now, let me read to you a little bit out of the King James Version of the Holy Bible, chapter 19. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face forward the ground, or toward the ground, I'm sorry. And then it goes on. 
and um, and then it talks about how people go to the door and they're you know, wanting to do things that are just disgusting to the angels, right? And and it goes on. And then what happens to Lot's wife? Now the Lord, and then it says in verse nineteen twenty four. And the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Now, let's see. Let's see where it says here about uh, brimstone. Uh, as it explains down below, it says, The punishment was a rain of brimstone which completely overwhelmed the cities with possibly earthquake and a volcanic eruption. That's their explanation sound familiar to the King James Version? The Lord rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone, and everyone was saved except for, I mean, I'm sorry, everyone was lost except for Lot and his two daughters. In our Bible, he's called Lot. In their scriptures, he's called Lut. And here in, in the Bible, um, it says, but his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And in here, it is said that Fear thou not, nor grieve. We are here to save thee and thy following, except thy wife. She is one. Uh, she is of those who lag behind. So what we're reading here in this page that the police officers just simply could not understand. Yeah, let's 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 cover that. Let's cover that. They state because this is important. They say. In their supplemental report, um, and the supplemental report in the um, who was there was on March 14, 2015, with Sergeant Gummert, Detective McKnight, and Brian Bone. They met with the Crowley family, which was David's mother, father, and two siblings, and Camille's sister, Sidra. Now, here's what they say. We also advised the family of the Quran being at the scene. I showed them a picture of the Quran, which was what we just saw. In the state it was found. I advised it is unknown if that was the page it was left open to at the time of their deaths because of the presence of the dog in the house. Sidra read the passage and said it was open to the forgiveness prayer which people in the Muslim religion say over their dead. Now I have asked numerous Muslims this. I didn't even pay attention. I didn't even go and read this, to be honest with you, before. I just would contact people of the Muslim faith and every single one of them said, no, that's not what it was. So that's when I decided to go ahead and get the Quran. I got it. I read it. Now I know my Bible pretty well. And like I said, I, I started realizing, wait, I know that story. I've read that story in my Bible. And then I started comparing. They're the same story. Two separate books. What's on that floor in that house is the story of Lot and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah by fire and brimstone, and Lot's wife being left behind in the Quran and in the Bible being turned into a pillar of salt. Why did Sidra lie? Why didn't the Apple Valley Police Department read that Quran? Why didn't they look at that page, go to the bottom, and I will put that photo back up so you guys can have a much longer look at it, pause it, read it for yourself.
And why did they not read the descriptions? It's down below. It explains everything. I have left Sidra out of all of, just about all of my videos. I think I mentioned her a couple of times, but I have not really looked into Sidra or her possible connection to this case in any way. However, when I saw in the supplemental report where she flat out lies to the police department, unless the police department is lying to us, and that there was a different photo of another page of the Quran being opened to, but this is the photo of the Quran on the floor, the page it was opened to. Why July, Sidra? What are you hiding? It's not a forgiveness prayer. It's simply the story of Sodom and Gomorrah about Lot or how you guys say Lut and his daughters, how they were saved and how the wife didn't, she didn't leave. She preferred the wickedness of the cities. I have no answer for that, but I have a lot of questions now. Again, this case takes so many twists and turns. Everybody has lied. Everybody has lied, with the exception of Kate Crowley, who is no longer with us. Unfortunately, she passed away, was I think six months after David, Kamel, and Rania were found. She died believing and stating her son was innocent. The only one, the only one, who knew her son didn't do this. And the only one who had the courage to come forward and say, my son didn't do this. Everybody else, even Kamel's own family, her own sister, blaming David. He's a convenient scapegoat, isn't he? He's not alive to defend himself. When you look at this crime scene, you see blood spatter, but a lot of missing but the blood spatter you see moves in many directions. It was a crime of violence, rage, anger. This is not seen in David in any of his work, in any of his writings. The police themselves, themselves, say that they checked the Dropbox, all of David's uploaded in information. And even in David's supposed journal, where they bring up where he was talking about smoking pot and eating mushrooms and drinking alcohol, even then they said there's no hint of violence and nothing they could find to, to um, explain this crime. Where are the red bell, I mean, sorry, red flags? Where, why aren't there bells going off in their heads? There are so many people in this case, so many people tied to this case that had that rage, that had that anger, that threatened David, that were upset about David, that refused to talk to David. Why didn't they look at that? What, because you'd actually have to do your damn job? tangent right now. I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's pathetic. This wasn't an investigation. This was an easy way out, a cop out. They found the simplest thing that they could find to blame the easiest person, the one person who couldn't stand up and defend himself. And you damn well better believe if he were still alive, there's no way in hell you guys could press charges against him. And you know that. 
you know you couldn't bring charges because you have nothing that sticks. Everything that points to everybody else. Nothing that points to David. Again, my question, Sidra, why did you lie? What was your purpose? What was your motive? Why the narrative? Catherine Michelle. I have always told you guys all along that if I ever found out I had made a mistake or found information down the line that showed something I had thought to be true was wrong, that I would always come forward and admit that mistake and correct it. Due to a recent, um, um, a, a bunch of information, it's like this, uh, data dump, so to speak, that um, someone left on the Justice for David Crowley family page, I have found out that there is indeed a photo of the gun on the floor. Um, I've denied that because the photo that was shown us before, it was so pixelated, it was horrible, and it, it looked photoshopped. Um, however, I do now know that that photo is real, it does exist. And I was wrong. So it is what it is. Um, if we're right, we're right. If we're wrong, we're wrong. And you got to admit it and move on. So um, from here, we're going to be doing a huge dive into um, this information that we received, as well as information that was received via um, FOIA requests. Uh, the ABB, AVPD has actually released a whole bunch of documents. Well, not a whole bunch, but they're long documents. We're talking hundreds of pages. Um, so, and it's a lot. We're talking internet searches. We're talking the journal that David had. We're talking, you know, photographs. We're talking um, reports. Uh, it's just so much data that there's really no reason why it was never released before. I, I don't understand the hesitancy. It doesn't change anything as far as what I can see in regard to the case. Now, whether, you know, the fact that there is a photo of the gun on the floor does not change anything in my mind about the outcome of this case. To me, in fact, once you see it, um, Greg Fernandez Jr. is going to be doing a podcast. He will be showing this photo, blurring out certain sections, um, but it will be a good quality photo. It will not be pixelated. It won't be a crappy picture. It'll be a really good photo. Um, but once you see that and how that gun is placed on, or yeah, placed, fallen, whatever, they want us to believe it fell. But anyway, once you see that photo of the gun on the floor, um, you will be able to then make up your own mind. But again, the main purpose of this video is to say I need to right a wrong. I was incorrect when I stated that there were no photos of the gun on the floor and the previous photo that was shown to me, well, photo, I'm, again, it was just horrible quality, um, that that 
was a copy of a copy of a copy of the actual photo and how these people got the photo they're not saying i have since contacted avpd and asked them you know hey you guys are handing out information to everybody else and yet you're cherry picking what i have requested from you i have you know i've been denied all of this stuff over and over and over again and yet they are handed it out to several people not just one or two. So, um, yeah, it, you know, so much of this stuff, and this is what irritates me about this case. So much of this stuff could be cleared up, understood, presented in, in a way different way if they just give us what we ask for. Well, under the law, of course. Not you can't have everything you ask for, but however, if you're asking for photos of a gun on the floor and they're like, oh, sorry, or they completely ignore it, and then two, three years later, you find out that other people have been given this photo, that's discrimination. They are cherry picking who they're sending information to, and that is not okay. So, what is the purpose of that? to make us look like idiots? What, because you think I'm afraid to say I made a mistake? I'm not afraid. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. End of story. And here I was wrong. The photo does exist. And again, we will be covering that on um, a podcast or a recording. I'm not sure if we're going to be doing it live or if um, Greg, if we're going to record it and then Greg's going to upload it later. I, I don't know. I've not been in the loop with a lot of this stuff. Um, so due to several issues, um, I'm not going to go into here. I just have not been on top of things with the case as of late. Uh, and like I said, there has been a huge data dump and a huge amount of information. There are, um, especially, I can think of at least two things that we received that are like, what the hell was everybody thinking when they saw this? I mean, <laughs> it's stuff that they can't and have not explained and will not even touch that proves stuff was going on after their deaths. So again, lots and lots and lots of information. Um, if you would like to get a, a jump, a head start on, on what has been released, please go to the Justice for David Crowley and Family Facebook page or um, visit Greg Fernandez Jr.'s um, uh, uh, website. I think he has it. Again, I'm sorry. I just, so many things going on right now. I just have not been keeping on top of everything. But I'm, I'm positive it's on the Justice for David Crowley and Family page. Justice for David Crowley and Family page. <sighs> uh, I can't even think straight right now. But again, um, I'm sorry. I made that mistake. I said something that was not true. It has now been proven to be true. And that wrong needs to be set right. So um, we will, again, hope to see you guys on these next videos. And trust me, they are going to be explosive. Um, bigger than anything we've found and have received or um, researched or discovered or, you know, anything to date. It's, it's mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. And yet I still find people 
who, regardless of what has been released, found, and filtered, and researched, and compared, they're still convinced David's guilty. And the nasty comments from some of them is appalling. Absolutely appalling. But again, go look at the information, view it for yourself, make up your own minds, and even if we disagree, um, let's agree to at least be able to have a civil discussion, and that's okay. I talked to a lot of people who, who really truly believe he's guilty. Even after reading this, they believe he's guilty, and it's quite a few. I don't get it. I don't. To me, I look at this information and I see these photos and I look at this, these in, internet searches and I've read the diary or journal, sorry, not a diary. And um, I am convinced more now than ever, you know, seeing the actual skull piece where the blunt force trauma took place underneath a good light in the Emmy's office says it all to me, for me. I'm sorry, you cannot have skin that is straight, that a dog rips off a scalp. Sorry, it does not happen that way. But anyway, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. But um, again, I'm titling this Writing a Wrong because it needed to be done. Hope you guys have a great day.